All right. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the South Suburban Vineyard Church. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that I'm here. It's been a while since I've been up here by myself. Um, so it feels good to be back. And uh, if you're listening to us via podcast, welcome to you as well. If you're close enough to come hang out with us in Flossmoor, we'd love to have you right here in our room. Uh, so our brains are amazing. Daniel Pink, uh, who wrote the book A Whole New Mind, says that the typical brain consists of some 100 billion cells, each of which connects and communicates with up to 10,000 of its colleagues. Together they form, forge an elaborate network of some one quadrillion connections that guides every function. Now I don't live in the math world, so one quadrillion is a one with 15 zeros behind it. That's how many connections are going on in our brain. Uh, and for years it was assumed that the logical, rational thought is the best approach to knowing or learning. Scientifically, at least until recently, the left hemisphere was thought to be superior, tackling things like analysis, ration, logic. The right hemisphere was about recognizing patterns, holistic reasoning, interpreting emotions and nonverbal. And while neuroscientists would agree that each side operated differently, that now it's more abundantly clear that both sides are, are equal. Neither side is superior. The brain's main function is to keep the organism alive. It monitors everything that's going on. So because of that, the brain has to be efficient and it has to save time and energy. And it saves energy and it saves time by taking shortcuts called decision heuristics. These neurons form networks and the networks form pathways and those major neural pathways are heavily traveled and take less time. These are those quicker, more automatic things that we do. The brain defaults to this way when we're responding to certain stimulus. And though effective at saving time and energy in familiar situations, uh, these processes can also make it difficult for us to learn new things or in new ways. Authors Catherine Marino and Kathleen Taylor wrote an excellent book called Facilitating Learning with the Adult Brain and Mind. And they use recent neurobiological discoveries to demonstrate that feelings and emotions are essential for meaningful learning. Learning takes place when we make connections. And as children, we have fewer connections to get in the way. So we're taught a skill, we absorb it, we practice it, it's reinforced, and we go from there. But for adults, we have more connections and determinations, which make, makes learning more complex as we have to wade through all those various connections. It's similar to like why kids will climb up to the top branch of a tree and jump out, or why kids will run full force into one another Whereas we think about broken bones and bloody noses and busted lips. We've been there. We see how this story might end. And so our brains want to use these well-worn paths of experience and patterns and habits. And as we attempt to grow, we put ourselves into this disorienting situation. Those new connections, they challenge the neurological pathways that we've worked so hard to create. Jack Mesereau, an American sociologist, defines learning as the process of using prior interpretations of the meaning of one's experience in order to guide future action. Well, this is important for adult learners and growers on a number of levels, but it refers to the brain's construction and reconstruction of knowledge being literally the key to changing our minds. It alludes to the relationship between reflection and action. And so throughout this sermon series, we've been examining, constructing, reconstructing, tearing down, building up, and reflecting on our behaviors and habits. 
In order for the adult brain to learn, it has to be challenged in what we know and how we know it. It's true. I mean, I actually did the research because I wanted to make sure that our sermon series was scientifically accurate. And it turns out our adult brains can grow, or more precisely, our adult brains can learn. Now, it's harder to do so, but it's possible. And so now I want to take the next few minutes to hopefully effectively encourage you that you can grow in the area of health and fitness. My earliest memories of health and fitness come from growing up in a relatively active family. Like we would do family bike rides together, family runs. We would always run the turkey trot together. We ate relatively healthy meals. Uh, My mom's big thing was that we could not have cereal that had sugar in the first line of the ingredients. And if you've ever looked at the ingredients box of cereal, that's really hard to find. Uh, I didn't always love the fact that we were a healthy family and that we ate healthy food. I remember we had to go on one of our family runs, and I think we got a half mile up the road, and I'm crying. And, you know, my parents would say, come on, we got to go anyway. And I remember my first experience very profoundly with group exercise. Uh, I was at the fitness center in Champaign. The instructor's name is Amy Chesser. I still remember to this day. I was with my mom taking the class, and it was a high-low group exercise class. It was really popular in, like, the 90s. And that's the, you know, the grapevines and the A steps and V steps, lots of footwork. And uh, I cried during the class. Like, not silent tears, like full-on cry. I felt so embarrassed. I felt clunky. I was offbeat. I was a step behind. And I was crying. And maybe you felt that way before with something, maybe with exercise and fitness, that you'll never get it, that you just can't get it, that you're always a step behind or offbeat. And in some of those places, uh, you've given up. And in steps this sermon series, you can grow. And so two weeks ago, Gino started the sermon series with his growing in faith, learning to lean the full weight of your life on God and his promises and his purposes. And last week, Ben expressed this idea of growing up before we grow old, these slow, incremental growth steps over time to look more like Jesus. And suddenly you're being bombarded with this idea that you can grow in these areas And for some of you, you are on board. You are a constant learner. You are adventurous. You are ready to go. And for some of you, you're like me, where you're pessimistic and a little bit cynical. (laughs) And in order to get to a place where we grow, though, for all of us, we should know that our adult brains are both anxious and curious as we prepare to embark on any growth journey, with the emphasis being on anxious. Curiosity acts as the gas pedal and anxiety as the brake pedal. And you may have felt this as you listened to these sermons, this excitement at the topic, ready to lay on that curious gas pedal. Yes, yes, I can grow in growing up before I grow old, or I can grow in faith. And then within the same minute, or maybe as you drive home or later that afternoon, you feel that anxious brake pedal. You know what? Uh, That takes a lot of risk to grow in faith, or it takes a lot of risk to grow up before I grow old. I'm not really that interested And perhaps you came in this morning and you looked at the title on the bulletin and you thought, you know what, I'm not really interested in this topic. And so I want to acknowledge both of those emotions, the anxiety and the curiosity that you might feel. I want to welcome them both into this space as we prepare to talk about health and fitness, knowing that God cares about this topic knowing that this anxiety and curiosity shows up in all of us in different and varying degrees. And so, for me, you would think that after my experience with high-low, 
my group exercise class that I would write off group exercise forever. You know, strong, break, pump, anxious, I don't want to feel that again. And for a while I did, but in college I worked as a pool manager, and one day the water aerobics instructor did not show up to teach her class. So keep in mind, high-low class experience equals tears, crying, embarrassment, Water aerobics is a group exercise class, so water aerobics must equal tears, crying, embarrassment. But I'm the manager, and so you have to do some things when you're the manager, so I hopped in the water, and I taught an awesome group exercise class for the first three minutes. And then I had done everything I knew to do about water aerobics. I had warmed them up, I had moved them around in the water, and I felt like it was about time to stretch, and it had been three minutes. And so I'm not really sure. I feel like God in his uh, infinite wisdom maybe protected me from remembering. But for the next 42 minutes, I'm not sure what we did. But I remember at the end of that 45-minute class, I got out of the pool and I thought, I don't ever want to feel that way again. And because I was concerned that the water aerobics instructor might not show up again, I went home that afternoon and I did some research on water aerobics. I went to the library and I got some VHS tapes. I watched some water aerobics classes. I talked to some friends. I took some group exercise classes, and I even decided to take on the full-time responsibility of teaching that noon water aerobics class. And so then over the next 10 to 15 years, I taught a lot of group exercise, and I got pretty good at it. Uh, I expanded to teaching ground group exercise classes. I got certifications. I went to conferences, and eventually I made it my full-time job to teach, train, and supervise group exercise classes. In that span of time, preceded by my parents' influence with fitness and health, a deposit of deep love was made for health and fitness. If we go back to my examples with the brain, new connections were being made. New experiences and more powerful experiences were changing the way I felt about exercise and fitness. Now, I'm not crazy about this stuff, I eat the entire pint of ice cream more often than I like to admit. And the surprising rate at which we buy Nutella in our house is is really not surprising to me. I know where it goes. Uh, And I know that a Big Mac and fries, despite all the documentaries that I watched, sometimes it does soothe the soul. I'm sure of it. And I like to, (laughs) amen, I like to work out. But I also like long naps and I like not working out. But I'm convinced through both my personal experiencing and watching many people be transformed that each of us has an opportunity to grow in this area. Before we get officially started, I guess, I want to lay down some basic assumptions about health and fitness. First is that good health and proper fitness through eating good-for-you food and exercise is incredibly important. I want to be clear that I'm not going to spend a lot of time laying down the research on this because it's just so profoundly uh, out there. It's, the research has been done. There's basically no denying it. Uh, there's a million ways that exercise, health, and wellness reap benefits in you feeling better, improved quality of life, decreased risk of disease, increased energy, decreased medical costs, better mental and emotional health, increased confidence. I could go on and on. Being unhealthy is decreasing your quality of life and costing you in many, many ways. Here it is summed up. I thought I'd just give you one quote just to kind of take this home with you. The combination of four healthy lifestyle factors, maintaining a healthy weight, exercising regularly, following a healthy diet, and not smoking, seem to be associated with as much as an 
reduction in the risk of developing the most common and deadly chronic diseases. Basic assumption, it's good for you to be healthy. Secondly, God wants you to grow in this area. He cares about your health and your fitness. And how do we know that he cares about our health and fitness? Well, we read it in his word. And so this morning I'd like to go to Romans 12. Uh, The passage will be up on the screen, but if you want to, join me in your tablets or in your Bibles. If uh, you need a Bible, there are Bibles on the edges of the rows. Feel free to use that. And if you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take that home as a gift from us to you. Uh, So as you guys are finding Romans 12, I'm going to just pray. So Holy Spirit, we just continue to ask for your presence in this space. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here, to gather together, to do life in community. God, I thank you for this topic. I thank you for for the opportunity to speak about a topic that I love so dearly. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to get out of the way. Let your presence fall in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Romans 12, we're going to look at just the first two verses, verses 1 and 2. The book of Romans is written by Paul. And Paul in this is, he's setting before his listeners the important responsibilities from a gospel perspective. And so we're going to look at Romans 12, 1, verses 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, God is calling us to make a choice about how we live for him. And Paul, in in these verses in Romans, is pleading with us. This is a foundational passage of scripture that really helps us deal with a dangerous trap that many of us Christians get into, and that is overvaluing the spiritual nature of our humanity and undervaluing the physical aspect. To feel as if this is less spiritual or not for the church or not for a sermon series is to deny the master his credit. This is this idea of the living sacrifice, that, that the sacrifice comes to the altar alive and it stays alive in an ongoing process. We connect this to this this God wanting our entire being, all of us. You are offered, let's let's think of it this way. Let's say you're offered a great job in Tinley, okay? Tinley's down the road, maybe 10, 15 miles away. Um, And you're offered this job, and it's your dream job. You get to do exactly what you're capable of doing, what you're skilled at doing, and it's something that you want to do, and the benefits for the job are outstanding. I mean, it's great pay, great retirement package, you've got stock options and retirement plans and all that. You name it, the job has it. But here's the problem. You need a vehicle, a reliable vehicle, to get you from here to there. And you don't have a reliable vehicle. So think of it that way, that God's purposes and plans for your life is that job in Tinley. Your physical body is the vehicle that will get you to that job. When you are healthy and fit, you are more available to do what God has purposed you to do. So if you're here this morning and your vehicle's run down, or if your earthly body is in need of a jump start or some gas in the tank, I want to share just a couple of thoughts on how we can tune up our physical bodies. 
The first thing that we need to do is we need to change our thinking. Verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How many of you have ever tried to will yourself to change a major thing about your life? If you're like me, it rarely, if ever, works. Why? Because our life is comprised of these well-worn patterns and behaviors that almost always trace back to our thought life. Over the summer, uh, they were doing some construction on Governor's Highway, and this might have affected some of you over the summer. Oh, I, I work on one side of Governor's Highway, and every day I drive down Governor's Highway to get to work, and I've been doing so for the past six years. And so when this road construction thing happened, well, on the way to work, I would always see that the road was closed so I could turn and get to work just fine. But every night, as I was leaving my job, I would go down Flossmoor Road and get to that place where I couldn't go down Governor's. Every single night. And the road was closed for, for quite a while. Okay, you'd think that I would get this together. But this, I mean, you think back to those neural pathways in our brain, these well-worn, well-traveled paths, right? I I was used to traveling down Flossmoor, and I had to actually start thinking about this as I was walking out to my car, leaving work. You know, I almost needed to set a reminder on my phone or put post-it notes up, Governor's Highway is closed. And so I had to be very deliberate about changing my driving route. And the same thinking happens in our worldview, in our belief systems, in our social conditionings. And if we ever have any hope of changing deeply, we always need to change how we think. I mentioned my upbringing in a relatively healthy family, and in many ways I realized that I got a a step up and a fresh start with uh, thinking about health and fitness. And when I talked to others, I realized that not everybody has the same start when it comes to health and fitness. As you reflect on your childhood, you might think of some patterns and behaviors that were instilled in you at a young age. You know, food is an example. We often think of food as a great comfort. We celebrate with food. We mourn with food. Um, or maybe in another way, you, an unhealthy value was placed on health and fitness. Perhaps you have a warped view of the ideal body type because you were ridiculed or praised because of some aspect of your body. This has created an unhealthy way of thinking that plays out in a variety of ways, from an eating disorder to chronic exercising or a host of other unhealthy Behaviors. These patterns have been established from a young age about food and fitness. And so letting God transform your mind by changing the way you think means that the question is not, how do I feel today? How do I feel about worship? How do I feel about exercise? How do I feel about eating right? But the question then becomes, what does God say about this? How do I honor God with my body? And one pattern that I think gets in the way of leading a life that honors God by being healthy and fit is this this thought process of, I deserve it. Maybe you do this. I do this all the time. I had a hard day at work. I deserve that entire pint of ice cream or those three glasses of wine. It's Friday. It's the weekend. I deserve to eat the whole bucket of fried chicken. I exercised that one time, remember, so I don't need to exercise today. I get into this too often. In fact, um, you know, talk about God using your life as a sermon example. Uh, this week I worked, I worked late one night, and I came home, and I was standing in the kitchen after a long day, and uh, I had the Nutella jar in one hand and the spoon in the other hand, and I thought, I can eat this Nutella. You know, because back in May and June, I worked really hard to uh, lose some of the baby weight, because I had a baby in March, and, and I, listen, folks, it's October. I don't, get, I don't get to eat Nutella in October because I did some, some good stuff in May and June, right? I mean, I, I, same thing happened again this week. I got an email on my phone 
uh, that I checked on my phone when I was out running errands, and it was a project at work that I had to come back to do. And I was driving past the Starbucks, and I thought, you know what? I deserve a fancy coffee drink because this is going to be a hard project. I deserve to stop and get some Starbucks. And listen, that's not, that's not true. I don't deserve this. The question is, what does God deserve? And God deserves my body as a living sacrifice, daily brought to his altar, so that I can fulfill the purposes he has called me to. The implication is, your body is not your own. Romans 12.1 says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, a living and holy sacrifice, pleasing and perfect. This is one of the ways that we worship God. And for some of you, that's news. You didn't realize that what we eat and whether or not we properly maintain this body directly reflects a level of surrenderedness to God. If this was truly how we thought, what would it change? Changing how we think about our bodies, this temple, this holy living sacrifice, should begin to change how we view food and exercise. Fitness experts will tell you that the way to get and stay healthy is to move more and eat less or eat better. It's simple math, but really hard execution. It's so hard to do this when we don't have the right view of our bodies or when we don't have the right view of food. We, we want to view food as fuel and food as medicine, but too often we view food as comfort and as drugs to cope, to deal, to ignore the things that we really need to take care of. And for some of us, we just like to eat and don't like to exercise. And for me, I don't really mind exercise. Um, I actually kind of like it. Um, but if I could get away with eating at my favorite downtown pizza place, Pequod's, getting their spinach, garlic, mushroom pizza, I would probably do that every day. But here's the thing. Pequod's pizza is not completely off limits. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says if you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. I have to consume food with the right perspective in mind. Let's just pay, play this down a single path. If I eat Pequod's pizza every day, I would essentially continue to gain weight. The more weight I gain, the less capable I am to perform certain tasks. As the weight continues to increase, the tasks I can do will decrease. And if I'm that vehicle, that vehicle that, to be used for God's purpose, my weight can start to get in the way of doing the tasks that God has purposed me to do. We see this demonstrated in, in profound ways and kind of sensationalized on television with that show, um, My 600-Pound Life. I mean, then we can, we can really see how those people are dramatically uh, impacted by their weight and the lives of the people around them are impacted. And I would say if we want to get real, though, we could each identify some areas in our life, perhaps more subtle, that are costing us in this area of health and fitness. In the same way, if you have an unhealthy view of food such that you deny yourself basic nutrition because of some eating disorder, you too are less able to live out God's purpose in your life. The dailiness of living with an eating disorder or chronic exercising places both food and exercise in the place of God on his throne. And suddenly the denial of food or how good your body looks or how fervently you refuse food or how consistently you exercise becomes your idol. Your thought life revolves around keeping up those processes and patterns. And for all of us, there are things that we struggle to do because we're just not healthy enough to do it. 
There are things that we avoid doing because we're simply not healthy enough to do it. But once we've changed how we think about our bodies and food and exercise, it begins to impact how we live. And so put another way, we need to change our habits. There's a strong connection between thinking and doing. And one of the best ways to measure growth or change is to see if it changes how you live. Those habits are those well-worn patterns of behavior that are almost automatic. Mesereau, the sociologist I mentioned earlier, he defines them as sets of assumptions, broad, generalized, orienting predispositions that act as a filter for interpreting the meaning of experience. Learning or growth, then, occurs when the habits of the mind are reformed. And it's when you begin to consider your thought life and accurately take a painful look at your habits that we can begin to make an assessment of what we need to change and how we need to grow up in this area. Our habits have tremendous impact on how we live our life. And I just want to tick off a few ways that this will affect you. Our habits, good and bad, determine how well we carry out our purpose. We say it over and over in this church. Our purpose here on life is to love God and love people. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God had a purpose and a plan in mind when he made me and when he made you. And some of us will never fulfill our purpose, and it will have nothing to do with lack of smarts or giftedness, but it will have everything to do with your poor habits that have been shaped by wrong thinking about our bodies and how to properly maintain them. Think of all the people who are limited in what they can physically do because of some preventable factor related to health. Think of great men and women of faith who've died prematurely because they failed to take care of their bodies. These were great men and women of faith, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, is an example of this. He died prematurely because he didn't take care of his body. And if you dare to think, what are the ways that you might be limited because of your health? You might not even realize that it shouldn't be that hard to get up out of the chair or tie your shoe or that you don't have to feel winded going up the stairs or that your extreme fatigue can be fixed by eating better food. You might not know that obesity increases your risk for diabetes, hypertension, sleep apnea, low back pain, coronary artery disease, several types of cancer, and it will reduce your life expectancy. You might not know that your addiction to exercise has you consumed that in your striving to achieve the perfect body, you have placed the attention you get because of it as an idol, driving your decisions and your choices. Your purpose in life might be hampered because of your poor habits in health and fitness. Our habits as well are both good and bad or affect, affect our Christian witness. How you take care of your body, the vehicle that God has given you, consider how your health and fitness habits, and what they say about your level of self-control. If we want to just get a little more spiritual here with this topic, think about that fruit of the Spirit. Where are you on the level of self-control? Because people are watching and they're taking notes. So our habits affect our Christian witness. And lastly, for our parents in the room, and speaking to this idea of people who are watching and taking notes, our habits affect our kids. You have great power to shape the way your kids think about health and fitness. The habits you demonstrate to your kids have long-term costs and benefits. And listen, for all of us parents, we are going to screw up in some way with our kids. Probably multiple times, right? 
Um, you may even be thinking right now that you've screwed up in this area when it comes to your kids and demonstrating proper health and fitness goals. Um, there's a strong tie to generational health habits. Your health history will most likely mirror your parents unless you make a deliberate change to do otherwise. What your parents taught you about eating and exercise is also probably what you will teach your kids, keeping in mind that your actions will speak louder than your words. And it requires effort to change those patterns. But here's the good news. It's not too late. It's not too late. Watching you change and grow in this area, especially if you have a long way to go, may be the most powerful thing you can demonstrate to your kids. And growth is possible. So what do we do with this information? What's, what's the action plan uh, applied to this context? As Gino says, he'll say, uh, how do we walk this out? How do we walk this out? Well, step one is you're going to need to reflect on your current thinking and habits. If you don't know where you are on this topic, you probably won't be able to figure out where you need to change. So you need to examine your family of origin and what messages are ingrained in you Like, what's your relationship to food and exercise? It might mean that you need to step on the scale. You might need to write down the last time that you exercised. Or look at the food in your cabinets. And let me say that I think we all need to get really real about this reflection piece. um, Because I think sometimes the message in the church is that God made me. He made all of me. And he loves me just the way I am. This is just who I am. This is me. And yes, that's true. God does love you. And your eternal salvation is absolutely not based on your health score or if you can run an eight-minute mile or what the scale says. At the same time, he wants to use you. And if you are unhealthy, you are less capable to fill God's purposes and plans in your life. So we need to reflect about where we are. Step two, we need to decide to make a change in the areas where you might need to change. And this is something that you need to get squared away in your own head. I could write a fitness plan for you with incredible smart goals. I could tell you the best six apps to download that will keep track of your weight loss or how to go from a couch to 5K. I could have Blue Apron and HelloFresh delivered to your door. But if you don't really decide to to make a change, it's not going to matter. We need to commit for the long haul to change our lifestyles. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Step three, we need to enlist a support team. We are better equipped and able to accomplish our goals when we are accountable. So you need to write down your goals. You need to tell a friend. And here's the key. When you ask for for accountability, you need to give someone permission to ask you how you're doing in this area, to ask you if you're working on your goals. Um, And let me just speak to the people who... uh, who might have a friend or a roommate or a coworker who's about to embark on a health journey, um, resist the urge to sabotage their efforts. There's actually a lot of research out there about how people closest to you will sometimes try to sabotage your efforts in health and fitness. And so don't pout and throw a fit because you guys used to sit and eat ice cream together. Avoid tying their new behaviors to them not loving you or not spending time with you. Um, Instead, I think you should join them. Like, instead of eating ice cream with them, why don't you walk around the block with them or cook healthy meals together? Be supportive. So enlist a support team and be a support team. Step four, you need to act. Make the change or the changes 
today. Well, and if not today, this week. Research shows that the sooner you make the changes that you implement, the better off you actually will be at actually doing them. And so you need to start small, but you do need to start. And for some of you, you just need to start with the next challenge. You might need to get some advice from people who have more skill in living in this arena than you do. I thought of giving you a list of things that you could decide to do, but I realized that because we all have different starting points on this, there's not going to be one plan that fits all of us. So remember the proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step? Well, the journey toward weight loss begins with a single good decision of saying yes to something like vegetables and no to something like dessert after every meal. The journey toward running a 5K starts by parking farther away from the grocery store door. The journey toward completing a marathon starts by running farther tomorrow than you did today. And for those of you who struggle on the other side of this, the journey to to getting healthy may be getting some professional help to deal with the bad information that has been deposited into your heart and your mind. Getting freedom from words that have been spoken over you and to you. Getting food and exercise in the right perspective and in the right place in your mind. So you need to take action. And step five, you need to repeat. This is a dailiness thing. It's a lifestyle. It's not a quick fix or a temporary change until you get down to a certain weight, fit into a certain pair of pants, or run your first marathon. It's not a one-and-done thing. It's a daily bringing our lives to that altar, sacrificing ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, surrendering our entire bodies. Repeat. So these are a few of my thoughts on the subject, and I want to take a moment. I'm going to invite Zach McGathy up to share some of his thoughts. Um, Zach is a Chicago Heights firefighter and the owner of CrossFit Chicago Heights. You probably have heard Gino talk about this. And our lives intersected when Gino started attending CrossFit. And uh, he is obviously then a professional in the world of fitness. And if uh, there's kind of a joke out there that CrossFit is kind of like a church plant, or churches. Um, I actually recently read an article about where they compared CrossFit and a church. And uh, if, if we were to think of CrossFit like a church, then Zach would be the pastor of the Chicago Heights CrossFit. And so uh, I also recently heard that Zach is the second fittest firefighter in the state of Illinois. So I feel like he's got some things to share. Would you join me in welcoming Zach up, please? Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Uh, I'm honored. Um, today I want to tell you a little bit about how uh, fitness uh, changed my life. Um, so my name is Zach McGathy. I'm 35 years old uh, and getting better every year. Uh, I've been a husband for 12 years. I'm a father of four kids. They're 11, 9, 7, and 3. I've been in the fire service for about 17 years, and in January, I'll have 13 years as a full-time firefighter paramedic in Chicago Heights. Uh, I am the proud owner of CrossFit Chicago Heights, and I am a self-proclaimed fitness nerd now. Uh, As far back as I can remember, uh, athletics has been uh, part of my life. Whether it was playing organized sports, biking, skateboarding, climbing, it didn't matter. If someone was doing it, I wanted to do it too. I was in athletics, but not necessarily into fitness. About 10 years ago, I came to a point in my life where, by all measures, I had everything I could want. I started my career as a firefighter. I was married. 
I had a house. I had a kid. It was the American dream. Uh, I was having fun. I was playing uh, on softball teams. I played rugby. I was uh, uh, organizing weekly uh, basketball games uh, with friends. I was hitting the gym multiple times a week with some friends. Um, I was staying very active. All right? But my life was sort of falling apart at the seams. Despite all the activity, I was steadily gaining a lot of weight. I was drinking excessively multiple times a week, uh, staying out till 2 in the morning while my wife was at home with the kids. Uh, my health was deteriorating. My marriage was deteriorating. And I was pretty much absent from my family. And even when I was there, uh, it was probably a good chance that I was probably hungover. I was really going down a really bad road. And to be honest, I don't know where I would be uh, if I didn't have a change at some point. Uh, lucky for me, I found a passion for fitness. I'd love to tell you that there was one single thing that snapped, uh, snapped me to my feet, or there was a magical pill that got me out of the place that I was in, but there wasn't. As I look back now, there are many instances over the few years that should have been that magical slap in the face. Although they stunned me at the time, I was able to slowly creep back into my old ways, uh, although possibly maybe a little more cautious each time. It seems that each one was a small nudge uh, onto the right track. Um, strangely enough, with my family and home life uh, sort of deteriorating around me, I decided that my weight was the biggest problem <laughs> that I had. So I'd been searching for a new workout program. I needed the magic workout program. Um, I stumbled upon a website that, was, uh, that posted different workouts every day. Uh, they were very challenging, and the most interesting part was I didn't know what half the movements were. So I started to investigate. Um, they, they had a prescription for fitness. This was the first time I've ever heard fitness not being just another word for, like, athlete or athleticism. Um, it wasn't about six-packs pa- six or how much do you bench. There was a prescription for, for fitness. Um, it, was, it was about optimizing your body and your mind. Um, it came in uh, the form of world-class fitness in 100 words. And what it said was eat meat and vegetables... Nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Keep intake to levels that will support exercise, but not body fat. And I was like, that's pretty simple. It's eat real food and not too much. All right? Then it said, practice and train major lifts. Deadlift, clean, press, squat, clean and jerk, snatch. So basically, in layman's terms, that was pick stuff up and put it over your head. I was like, okay. Then it said, uh, similarly, master the basis of gymnastics. Said pull-ups, dips, rope climbs, push-ups, sit-ups, press the handstand, pirouettes, flips. All right, this was very Jack Lane. It was like, okay, all right, just push-ups, sit-ups, squats, and then it said, bike, row, run, swim, and do it hard and fast, five or six days a week, and mix these elements in as many combinations and patterns as creatively will allow. Routine is the enemy. Keep workouts short and intense and regularly learn and play new sports. I thought, oh man, this is for me. There's no magic sets and reps. It's just do work and play and learn. I'm all about that. Around the same time, I came across a quote that said, be strong to be useful. This is a big light bulb in my head. What better reason to care about what I'm eating and how I'm exercising than to be useful? And useful was something that I hadn't been in quite a while. Over the next eight years, 
this prescription has become part of my life and my family's. It started with two or three workouts a week, and one step at a time, it became a daily habit. My, my diet is constantly evolving, but everything starts with meat and veggies, nuts and seeds, little starch, and no sugar. Just through experimentation, I have found that this makes me work well and, uh, and feel, feel good. With this prescription of nutrition and exercise, I've been able to transform my body, my health, my family, my kids, and my life. And it all started from fitness. I feel that I'm now more fit than ever to handle any obstacle, whether physically or mentally. Now my passion for fitness has given me the unique opportunity to help others uh, help better their lives uh, through the gym, through fitness. We all start our journey in different places, but the nice thing is that it doesn't matter where you start. Mine started in a uh, pretty bad place, uh, mentally and physically. But the key was that I started. If you're ready to start finding a fitness buddy, just like you were saying, uh, finding that group of support to to help keep you accountable. Um, If you you can't find a buddy, finding a, a fitness professional, all right? Find somebody to help you stay accountable. If you're ready to start on your own, start small. Walk around the block, ride a bike, Park in the back of the parking lot. Pick apples instead of chips. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what. It's making that good decision and sticking to it. What you do, start doing it consistently. Once it's consistent, maybe now you can, you can up it a little bit. Maybe uh, time yourself going around the block. Uh, maybe just see how many times you can uh, lay on the floor and get back up in a minute. All right? It might start with one, and that's okay. You know, in, in a month, maybe two months, maybe it's two, and that's all right too. Remember that when it comes to health and fitness, it isn't about finding the magic five-minute workout or one special diet. To summarize the fitness in 100 words, it's eat real food and not too much. And do work often. There's no secret recipe uh, program. The best program is the one that you consistently do. So if your health and fitness uh, is, is lacking, start with that first step. Just get started. And don't forget to keep playing and to be more useful. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. I love it. I love it. We did not plan that together, but I felt like I, I see that theme, right? You know, this, the doing it. Get a support team. Reflect on where you are. And then do it again tomorrow. I, I did say that I didn't want to give us any you know, particular place to start, but I do have an idea. I've told my small group ladies about this. Uh, coming up on November 24th, which is the day after Thanksgiving, there is a Butterball Burner race. And uh, I would like to officially invite all of you to join me on November 24th at 9 o'clock a.m. Uh, to, to participate in this race with me. And I've actually worked out with the Homewood Flossmore Racquet Club that we get a discounted rate. So when you sign up, because I know you all will... When you sign up, you can say that you're with the South Suburban Vineyard Church, and they will give you a $10 rate. So that's $10. You get the T-shirt. You get to participate in the race. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do it all together, 9 a.m. on Friday the 24th. That race actually goes right past our home, and so maybe we'll set out like a little lemonade stand or something for you if you need a a breather. But uh, can we just, like, let's just officially agree right now. Tonight, will you agree with me that we'll do this together? Amen? Amen. Okay. 
lackluster on the response, and I feel like I effectively encouraged you to do this, but maybe you're just saying it privately in your head. Uh, but let me just kind of wrap this up, and I would, if the band wants to come up, that would be great. Um, it is possible to change and to grow in the area of health and fitness. I love Zach's story where he talks about this was the thing that kind of changed his life. It, it made changes in the life, you know, in his, in his marriage, changed how he felt, and it's possible for you too. So if you've come here this morning in a rundown vehicle and you need some help in this area, it is possible. You can grow in this area. God cares. God cares deeply that we grow in this area so that we can live out our purpose all the days of our lives. Let me pray. Father God, I just thank you so much that you care about our physical bodies, that you care that we take care of this temple, this vehicle that you've given us to live out our purposes for you. And God, for some of us, you have called us to a big purpose, and we need to get it together in this area so that we can do what you've called us to do. And so, God, I just pray today that for people who are just kind of feeling overwhelmed by this topic, would you just begin to speak to them and then show them the next step on their journey? The next thing, Lord, would you just, would you just open their eyes and soften their hearts to hear what you have to say? And for some, Lord, that are just feeling wrecked in their lives, that, Lord, would you just show them how they can get, get control in this area by just submitting themselves to you, submitting their bodies to you. So, Lord, that you, we can surrender our lives at your altar every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.